My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 204 of Legally Clueless. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome to the family. Audio episodes like this got every single Monday. We have an incredible video series. I may be biased, but it's pretty dope. (laughs) And an even more incredible tour series where we weave through Kenya. We went on tour to Zimbabwe, Paris, Dubai twice. And you can watch all of these episodes right on our website that's legallycluelessafrica.com. I'm really excited about this particular episode as I always am when it is one of you who's written in and asked to share their story and that's exactly what happened with Medric. Listen to this. Corona started and the lockdowns came. After dinner we seated watching telly and I started gasping for air. So she told me this is seems like anxiety. That's the first time I ever heard the word anxiety. I started having physical symptoms of anxiety disorder. One I couldn't see well. That's why even I started wearing specs. Palpitations, heart palpitations, fatigue. I couldn't go home. I couldn't go home because looking at my kids. And uh, yes, you're told this is anxiety, but your mind is telling you, you guy, you're done when it comes to my kids. I would pray that I, I don't die while I sleep. So that my son does not wake up and wonder why is daddy not waking up. That's Medric's story and it's coming up a little later in this episode. Right now let's jump into song of the week which I can't believe I've held out on sharing this song with you. I'm <laughs> there are quite a few songs I'm stumbling on right now where I'm just like why haven't I shared this on the podcast? This is strange. Anyway it's by one of my favorite bands. I just love them. I'd love to hang out with them. I'd love to go to their live shows. They just seem like chill hippies which is definitely my crowd parcels and the name of the song is famous i love it so much even though i have no idea what they're talking about no seriously like i even looked at the lyrics the chorus when they sing you're famous your way to paradise i'm just like i don't i, I don't get it but it sounds so good <laughs> i'm just gonna jump to it Anyway, I put a link to the song in the show notes. Do check it out. I hope you love it as much as I do. I am recording this pretty early, not on Sundays or Saturdays or anything, because this Sunday is my birthday, 5th of February. I'm so excited. I'm turning 34. I feel so grown. And then another thing I feel, which is crazy, I can't even imagine I'm saying this out loud. I feel like grown and sexy, like woman. Does that make sense? Like really tapped into my, I don't know whether to call it femininity or my identity. I just feel so, you know what I mean? (laughs) If you don't just keep going. (laughs) But I really do feel that. I feel grown and sexy. I I really do. (laughs) And on top of that, I've never felt such peace and contentment in like, forever and I keep saying that's enough of a gift it feels so good that's enough of a gift for me like I just want this to keep going (laughs) please don't disrupt it life please just the peace is ah 
it's been a long time since I felt it. I really feel solid, like both my feet are on the ground. And I, I wish this for you. If you've never felt this, like I really do wish this for you. And it's just like the best birthday gift the universe could gift me. And that I've also gifted myself, not just the universe. I've put in work to get here. And yeah, I feel good. I feel grown and sexy. <laughs> Anyway, I'm also super excited because so you know how I'm constantly sharing about my therapist and the amazing things that she teaches me? Well, guess what? She's going to be facilitating our first Legally Clueless Africa group therapy session. That's such a, <laughs> a mouthful. But seriously, our first group therapy session is happening on the 25th of February. So first mark that date because I want the space to be one where we take our healing seriously and we're intentional about it and in a magical way we do it together. So 25th February at 9:30 a.m. we're going to be at Kanga Studio for our first group therapy session and you are so invited. Tickets are 1500 shillings. They are available right now on our website legallycluelessafrica.com or just head over to our Instagram page that's legallycluelessafrica. I've also put a link in the show notes to where you can grab your tickets. So I'm very excited about this group therapy session because the theme is losses without funerals and my therapist picked that theme and I I couldn't agree that this is the best place for us to start, especially if you're taking step one in your healing. So I remember earlier on in my therapy sessions, she would ask me to share about the losses I've experienced in life. And at the time, I thought loss was only synonymous with like physical death of someone. And so I would only talk about the death of my mom. And she would keep urging me like, let's dig up. There's more losses. There's more losses. And at a point, I remember one session being a bit irritated because I was just like, but my dear, I have told you all the losses. What are you talking about? <laughs> and the more she gave me exercises, the more I realized I had a lot of unprocessed losses in my life and that they're many life experiences we go through that are losses that do elicit feelings of grief but because we don't see them as losses we don't process those feelings but those feelings affect us they affect how we feel how we think how we live if we live and it's just time for us to inch closer to freedom and to start healing and this is a beautiful place to start of course we're going to be having six of these group therapy sessions across the year but this is this is such a wonderful place to start so we're going to in the session which will be facilitated by my therapist her name is Faith she's going to be helping us figure out what losses we've experienced in our lives and then process them and give us tools to help us keep healing from them anytime you experience something that triggers that feeling and I think it'll be very magical I can't wait for this so make sure you grab your tickets there'll be no tickets sold at the gate because we have a very limited number of tickets to sell so the faster you get your tickets the better and so hit the link in the show notes or just head over to legallycluelessafrica.com to grab your tickets I can't wait to see you oh my goodness I'm very excited because I feel like I'm fully walking in my purpose now. I just, I want 
I want you to heal. I want you to find a healing process that works for you. I want you to understand yourself better. And I want you to do this healing work so you unlock truly living. So yay! Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, away from my shrieks of excitement. <laughs> and back to this episode. I'm not even meant to talk a lot because Medric's story is pretty long and so necessary and I didn't want to split it in half. I want you to go through the process with him and his story. So he listens to the podcast, which is superb. He's a member of the family. He reached out and he wanted to share his story of getting diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And this happened during the pandemic. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Medric. Medric Lee. I'm a father of two. A boy called Hegi and my princess called Amara. I'm a Christian. I stay, I stay in Limuru, but I was born in Nairobi. It was the, in the height of Corona. I was doing well. Even as a family, we were doing well. I haven't had anxiety issues ever since I was born. So it was when the corona, start, corona started and the lockdowns came. So for me, it happened abruptly. I was just in the house, seated, we're just having, after dinner, we're seated watching telly and I started gasping for air. So what clicked to my mind is that strain that was the one that guys were just walking and you fall because I grasped for air and we opened the windows, but I was still grasping for air. That's shortness of breath. So what came to my mind was this is the, this is corona and this is the bad the worst strain of it we called a neighbor the mother of my kids my neighbor took me to hospital so they checked my vitals the oxygen oxygen was okay was okay oxygen was okay heartbeat was a bit on the high rate and the pressure so the nurse asked me if uh, if I've traveled I told them no I was just in the house we just having after dinner I was just relaxing watch, watching the television so she told me this is this seems like anxiety that's the first time I ever even heard the word anxiety. So she told me, yeah, go outside, just take time and breathe. So I could just breathe, breathe, breathe. And the anxiety went down. By then I didn't know it's anxiety. My mind was like, at least it's, it's not COVID. Because me, as I was getting out of the house, let me be honest, my mother of my kids was holding my hands. And I was just praying to God, these are my last minutes. If you can give me another chance in life. Because me, to me, it was like I'm dying. There's nothing else. I didn't know of anxiety disorders. I've never had people shortness of breath because I've always been healthy. I do exercises all the time. So when the nurse told me this is anxiety, it was like a relief to me. It's not COVID. So now let's deal with this thing called anxiety now from here. So when she told me it's anxiety, a bit relaxed. I could now relax and breathe a bit better. So we scheduled uh, an, an appointment. AAR Roaka, the next day that is. I remember we went and I met a very, very nice doctor called Dr. Linda. She did some tests on me, blood tests, heart rate, and she concluded, she's the one who concluded, this is generalized anxiety disorder symptom, but however, we're going to uh, refer you to a counselor and a psychiatrist to try and trace really if it is that. So that is how my journey started. When we went to, to see Dr. Linda, I started having physical symptoms of anxiety disorder. One, I couldn't see well. That's why even I started wearing specs. Something called plagiarism, where the, the, the left eye and the right eye, the image is distorted. So I started wondering, what are these? Yes, you've been told anxiety. And the evening, first we researched, went online to check on what is anxiety disorder before I went to see Dr. Linda. Dr. Linda went confirmed this is generalized anxiety disorder and uh, referred me to AAR. Sarit to see a psychiatrist. I also researched, but now I started having the physical symptoms. Now the shortness of breath 
was like my regular cup of tea. And you're in the height of corona. When you, somebody sees you gasping for air, it's a problem. I came to Sarit, also took a comprehensive blood test. They, they said there's nothing wrong with my blood. I'm perfectly well. I was advised to see Dr. Linda. She's a psychiatrist there. She's, she's the one who gave me a, the first breakthrough in my journey. She told me, breathing is natural. That was the first breakthrough. Breathing is natural. Because every time I gasped for air and had shortness of breath, immediately. For me, I think the anxiety came as an avalanche. It wasn't a process, gradual process. It was avalanche. Everything came. Shortness of breath, palpitations, heart palpitations, fatigue, stomach, the eyes, and uh, pulse. Every time my heartbeat was high. So when she told me breathing is natural, that is when I stopped controlling it because I would be, one, I couldn't drive, that is one. Two, I had to use public means. And using public means, you're around people and you're, good thing there were masks, so I would wear a mask so no one would see if I'm gasping or sh- I have shortness of breath. But it was always a concern for me. What if this next person sees I have shortness of breath? And those are the symptoms that people are looking for in guys who are suffering, who are going through, who have corona. So when she told me breathing is nat- natural, it helped me. And she gave me the, the con- cognitive behavior therapy, the CBTs, yeah? how to you count down to relax. That was helpful. I went back home that day. So I told the mother of my kids, this is what I've been told. I need to do this when I, I feel the anxiety is rising up, Kabisa, and I have shortness of breath. So we count down. And I was given, I think four antidepressants. So when, when I went back home, I told um, the mother of my kids, this is what I've been told, this is anxiety disorder, these are symptoms that come with it. So we started researching. What, what I didn't find is any support group. I looked online. The only thing I found is some Facebook groups in the States. So I joined the groups so that I can, can hear what, what exactly people are going through. So that is early, early uh, height of corona. The shortness of breath was my regular cup of tea. When I'm asleep, when I'm asleep, that is my, I'm well. But when I wake up, I will have like to just regular. Unless I'm relaxed, I really have to, had to work hard to relax. But then again, when I relax, I remember I have anxiety. Or maybe I hear an ambulance. Whew, it comes, shortness of breath. That was the first. It was a, I don't know what tr- used to trigger it, but it was always recurring. When I have the shortness of breath, I start the countdown: eight, seven, six, five, up to one go back, I relax. From there, now the heart rate goes up. When the heart rate goes, goes up, I start sweating. And the pulse also now is, my, the heartbeat is pumping, pumping. So the mother of my kid was very supportive right then. So she would come and just look at me and see this guy is going through a hard time. And remember my kids then, my boy is five years now. He was still small and he's very sharp. He could look at me and like, hey, something is wrong with daddy. So I, had, I also had, had to manage them, not seeing dad going through such. They, they, he would wonder, hey, what's up? So mother of my kids was very supportive. She would look at me and see this guy is going through a hard time. Maybe excuse the kids, go to the balcony, breathe in some fresh air and uh, relax, 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 relax. I was, I was diagnosed on a Sunday. I remember it was on a Sunday. Went to AA to see Linda on a Monday. Came to AAR Sarit on a Tuesday. So I was given the antidepressant on, on a Tuesday. So when I went home, I read the side effects. Because when we were told this is anxiety disorder, I went online to research. I found out many, many, uh, some, uh, some prescriptions have side effects. Some people get more symptoms out of there, whatever they are prescribed to. But because of what the heart time was going through, I took the first antidepressant on a Tuesday. It was like, uh, it's like yo- yo-na-yo-yo. It was just like, ah, oh, nice, nice. 
and I relaxed. But in my mind, I was like, I don't want to be dependent on this because of what I've read. Let me see how we we'll work around it. So Tuesday I took them, I relaxed. But the, the shortness of breath would come, but not as regular as the Sunday evening and the Monday evening and the Tuesday the, the daytime. The, the Tuesday evening I slept, took them on Wednesday, took them on Thursday, on a Friday. Still with the shortness of breath, but not as regular. But reading through, even as I was taking them, reading through, I made a decision I will not take them again. Because in the groups that I were in there, I joined on Facebook. So many guys in the States were complaining, either insomnia, psychosis and stuff. So I would imagine now I have this and then something else like psychosis. Wow, that's crazy. The thing in, in where I stay in Limuru, there's so many options of you not using conventional mes- medicine. For example, something like aloe vera is something that I used because I used to have H. pylori. And I read, doing my research also helped me because I understood anxiety is not something you get willingly. It's a chemical imbalance. People do not understand that. They think it's... This, this guy is choosing just to be anxious. It's a chemical imbalance in the, in the brain. When I realized it's a chemical imbalance, my mind t- told me, if aloe vera is like an all-round medicine, eh? it used to help me with H. pylori, then I can take it. Maybe it will help me reduce the effects of what I'm, I'm feeling. That's when I made the decision not to take the antidepressants. I just took them for four days and I stopped. After putting them on hold, actually not on hold, I stopped Kabisa. Now I had stomach problems because uh, the anxiety... It's not butterflies, like uh, what are those? I can say they're like uh, big birds, big, big birds, and comes with irritable bile syndrome, you know. Now, because of not taking the antidepressants, the shortness of breath now became now a regular, a regular thing. I remember there, as a formative time, like the first month, first week I was at home, the second week, I couldn't go home. it's okay I couldn't go home because looking at my kids and uh, yes you're told this is anxiety but your mind is telling you uh, your mind is telling you you guy you're dying unlike uh, depression the major symptom of anxiety disorder is thoughts of doom. And if you're a living person, what is doom? Not living. So for two weeks, I couldn't go. It's so hard just... Uh, so I, I would go to my friend and tell, tell the mother of my kids, hey, I can't come home because looking at my son, looking at me, and I'm very frail. I can't sit. I have to lie down on the couch. I can't watch daily because now any news is about corona that triggers, triggers. I don't want my son to be concerned what's up with daddy, you know? So for two weeks, I, I would go to my friends and I didn't even tell my friend what is happening. Then I used to, I used to drink. So I would go, drink, not because I want to drink, but I was just looking for a solution. How can I calm this mind? It's overriding, it's just like, it's on autopilot, there are two me's in my brain. There's me, and now there's this other brain that is telling me, guy, you're dying. As much as you're told, yeah, I was told it's anxiety, I'm researching it, it's anxiety. But the mind cannot relax. So the two weeks I was, I was at my friend's place, I would come during the day, so because the kids are playing outside, 
and in the evening i would go my friend's place and relax but he used to ask me why are you drinking like this my you drinking a lot i remember it's something i've ever told anyone i tried weed for the first time because i thought maybe then weed would relax my my brain uh, i took a puff oh it was worse so this is not a solution for you magic after the two weeks i was able to get the the strength of not avoiding my children i'm still going to therapy Dr. Linda, but he had uh, schedules for one therapy session a week. So she would uh, ask, how are you faring? I would tell her, I'm not going home. She would tell me why. I would tell her, it's because of this and this and the kids. She would tell me, try get something to either read, listen to during the day. Get something positive. Avoid things that are triggering you to your mind to go to override. Because uh, whatever you're going through, whatever you're having, it's not the reality. But your mind creates that reality. By then I could walk well, I could see, but I would start realizing there's a lot of fog in my sight. Whenever I look, if it's during the day it's foggy, then what, uh, something else came up, dizziness. Now, I have shortness of breath, I have stomach issues. The mind is crazy, it's just overriding. Then now there's dizziness. Plus now, the fog, uh, there's plagiarism, that is what I read. Now, this right eye and the left eye were not coordinating which i came to realize the pressure the blood pressure because of uh, you're always on flight fight mode now you, because you're in flight fight mode the body uses a lot of energy of which you're not even using just produces a lot of energy for you to do something with it but it's, you're not using so my the the right eye was affected now i i'm not sure if it is the, uh, it's an eye problem or oh, this is coming with the anxiety. Sleeping at night was a ritual for me. I tell you, it was, it was a ritual for me because I would, uh, when it comes to my kids, I would pray that I, I don't die while I sleep. so that my son does not wake up and wonder why is daddy not waking up. And I know it's anxiety, yes. The, the doctor has told me I've researched it's anxiety, but my mind is telling me, guy, this is the last, Ebu, make your peace with God. And so many nights I would sleep knowing, um, I would even wonder, how is the other, the, the other, how is the other realm, yeah? So waking up for me was like, oh, uh, yeah, I woke up. Really? Yeah, nice. Okay. Then I, I started the, the fight with anxiety. So as, as the days went, the months went, there are things I couldn't hear. You wouldn't tell, you wouldn't talk about it, uh, about them when I'm around. One, I couldn't watch t the telly because the bright light would affect me. And if it affects me, the anxiety shoots. I couldn't listen to the news because it was like every other time. The sidebar there is we are at this these are the victims we've tested and all that to me was death i had to make to make sure i don't go around the main road because the ambulances are always to look at an ambulance is a problem for me for someone to tell me about death is a problem for me from there i had now chest pains the left side so the chest pain and uh, chest pain and the left arm and because i am i research a lot I want to know what is happening and i mean those groups i had already seen something like that but when you research go online and research pain on the left side 
what do you get heart attack now besides the shortness of breath i have another symptom heart attack so what took me through and helped me when doctor one day told me you need to be listening to something there's a, a christian preacher in singapore is called joseph prince he talks a lot about the mind and how the mind can override you yourself your consciousness and doing my own research i, I realized there's uh, the subconscious which is basically who you are stored there and the subconscious is fed gradually 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 to a point now it goes to autopilot so i would, I would put a, a podcast of him talking about the mind uh, beside my bed or earphones and that is how I would be able to sleep i sleep listening to him and then when i wake up there's something i will listen also about the mind so i had i, 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 I cut clips of uh, specific words he's saying to replay so that whenever i wake up i'll hear something that would remind the conscious mind this is a subconscious mind guy don't listen to it and where is to where you fellowship every sunday we have this thing pastor would say your monday is going to be blessed your tuesday is going to be blessed your wednesday is going to be blessed <laughs> thursday friday saturday and on sunday you're coming back so those words you're coming back are what i used to go, go back home with i would stick with those words that he said i'll be back on sunday So whatever you mind you're telling me me I'll be back on Sunday. Are we okay? Yes, are we okay? Corona is still continue is going on from the heart. Now I have the heart, brain zaps. Have you ever had such brain zaps? How if I can describe them as an image, it's like lightning but now let have it physical. Where it's like something is cutting through your brain. It's like an, a, a magnetic thing cuts through the brain. and now not being stable i couldn't stand on my own it's like a mobbling but i'm i'm straight but the brain would interpret my posture as if i am wobbling so most of the time i would either lean on something or sit and there are certain smells that would tick me off so i have heart pain have shortness of breath heart palpitations brain zaps something else was added on the cocktail <laughs> it's called um, derealization and depersonalization derealization is whereby the brain takes you from here you're here physically but it can paint a picture you're in nakuru a certain space and it becomes your reality so it's like you're here physically but everything including the smell is there and that was the hardest part of it because it came with picturing how my funeral would be hmm? so you have shortness of breath brain is still telling you guy you're dying all these things that are happening in the media people are sick and now the depersonalization and the realization also is added on the cocktail what kept me is like i w- i would i wanted to fight a lot i wanted to fight so i would avoid sitting at home remember people are not going at work you're not going to work you're home so i would go out to hang out with friends but the friends were like someone look at you is like hey what's up but you can't say and they can't ask because you're normal No one sees you know what what I came to realize with anxiety and mental issues is that there's no picture there's no no one can describe to you it is the regular guy the guy in matatu your 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 uber guy it's your boss it's your colleague because for me I was just regular I would deal with all, all those things just seated amongst friends but now they would wonder this guy they don't take pints anymore because 
the smell would affect me and then i ha- had now symptoms of sinuses of which i don't have sinuses even i was given the spray the avimis for spray and i don't have sinuses so the pressure here in the eye here brains ups pain shortness of breath plus now inflammation body inflammation i would wake up i'm, I'm just walking i'll just sit i walk start walking i either get my left foot just pain pain on the muscle nothing just pain it's like you've stepped on something but you haven't so all those symptoms you're dealing with them you have to deal also with the family but what i really appreciate through that time is that the mother my kids used to research a lot and so she used to send me either a quote or a scripture i would tell her i feel like i'm dying that is what i used to just text i feel like i'm dying so she would send me back a scripture for example there are scriptures in Isaiah you'll not die you live to tell of the goodness of of the lord so tell that to my mind to override their subconscious mind as much as people are not working sometimes we'd meet with colleagues i used to work in a political office so something has happened you have to go and con- condole because my boss was the area member of parliament you have to go to represent him so where are you going you are going to a place where the corona has hit but you have to represent so you go there you're in masks so our african culture people have to tell tales of what happened oh it started like this it was on a monday he said this he said this he said this all that they are saying i have now you're amongst people they've said exactly what you guy you're going through and there you can see that is their casket so now it does not become something like a derealization it is here guy you might even fall where you are and it's so convincing it is so convincing that they remember i excused myself went outside the gate just sat down mm-hmm. took the podcast that i had put on some earphones and i started counting counting backwards so that the shortness of breath goes down so that my breath can balance and my inhaling and exhaling can balance and because you a few someone is concerned where is medric at that time you don't want someone to come near you because you're dealing with the shortness of breath, palpitations of the heart, and someone can see this guy is struggling, eh? But also you don't want to tell them. How do you tell an African or in an African setting that my mind is telling me I'm dying? They'll tell you, you guy, you're not serious with life because you're blessed, man. You have a nice family, you have what are you saying you're dying? You guys you, you that is the why people don't come out and say their struggle because it's like you're telling yourself and no, you're not telling yourself as as the ease of movement was uh, opened up there's a neighbor who collapsed but it wasn't corona necessarily just in the neighborhood and somehow my mom called me so me I took the phone hey do you know so and so she used to come and do do cleaning hey, yeah i know imagine she just collapsed it took me two weeks to get out of bed just because she told me that so i had to tell the mother of my kids i don't know how you're going to tell people even my mom such news because even telling my mom my mom is an african lady she's worked all her life when i was born she was working she retired like i think 5 6 years ago she's the embodiment of that woman who stood by you i used to school at uh, jujarod primary near, next to pangani girls should bring me lunch daily from town now how do you tell her to your brain is can't tell her such but she could we would visit and she'd look at me she like i guy what's up so me I used to tell mother my kids hey, just explain to them med med has anxiety but don't tell them all the issues that comes with it, with anxiety I had to get diagnosis for the eyes what is the, the problem so the first place i went i didn't know i did not go to an ophthalmologist i went to an optical 
Optica. So Optica, they checked their machine and they gave me prescription. The prescription was strong, but they were helping me. That was the interesting part. I, I went, the attendant there took uh, my details, but the mother of my kids came with, the, came with them like a week after the specs were, the lenses were put in the frame. The delivery was made to their offices, I guess. She came with them. So I asked her, can you wear them and see if you're seeing anything? No, I can't see. Okay, give me. So when she gave me, I put them on my eyes, put them on, and I was like, I can't see, finally. Because I used to see two, two images. Like, if you're there, I would see you, and then see another Adele there. That was my norm. So I had to, I had to balance, which is the real one. <laughs> that helped me. So it helped me, and I was okay in terms of seeing. But balance, no balance, pain in the chest, the left arm. I have braids ups, I have fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammation. That was my cup of tea daily. And now the thoughts, the realization, the personalization. But I had, I had that drive that somehow, somehow, I'm going to make it. I don't know how, but I'm going to make it. So I would listen to a lot of uh, sermons, positive messages, and go to groups, those groups. And here, mine is even, mine is a cup of tea. Someone is dealing with PTSD, depression, and anxiety disorder. And they're telling you, I'm okay. So how about me? So it, a, a bit by bit, my mind started to comprehend. As much as, yes, you get scared and you get, because so many times I went to the ER. And because you can't all the time be calling the neighbor, I would, mother of my kids would look at me and say, see this guy is struggling so i would take the car it's me driving but i would drive at 30 kilometers per hour because my mind is telling me what if you crash so drive slowly so that even if you crash you have your mother of your kids you have your babies here at least she can take the wheel and just drive the car on the side it wouldn't crash that bad so during that time i think ar sarit they even wondered hey this is a regular customer and aar worker and a bit of now it was clearing AAR Kiambu Road, the new AAR. I've gone for EKGs, that is the heart. I've gone for, um, oh, I almost did an MRI, but they did a test on, I think they, they called it, I did some green matter to, real, to see if there's any inflammation. They, and the doctor said it's, it's okay. There, there's Dr. Araka, I remember. And they said it's okay, I can quote the names at AAR uh, Sarit. She's a medical doctor and she was doing her psychology degree. And she was very interesting because I used to go and tell her, now me, I'm feeling pain in my stomach, I need something. Or I'm feeling like this, my leg is paining, I need something. So she'd sit and look at me and ask me, Medric, what do you want? I would wonder, why are you asking me what do I want? I've just told you. You guys are telling me it's the brain, but it's not the brain. Seriously, me, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm, I feel the pain, it's real. It's real. And there's, there's a time, it was everything left even to the, the ring finger. Yeah. So it's like, this one is connected to the heart, you guys. You're not serious. It is connected to the heart and they can feel it. This is def definitely. But you look at me and tell me, I will not give you any diagnosis, any, any prescription that is not scientific. Because I've done tests on you and there's nothing wrong. But my mind and the physical symptoms are telling me, seriously, this is it. Guy, this is it. And that is now, like, uh, um, past six months. Past six months and it's now confirmed. And that is the one of the things that confirms. After six months, guy, you, this is anxiety disorder. In the groups that I, I joined, no one was talking of recovery. Everyone was talking of coping. Now I have my son. My son is very, uh, very active, very bright. I have my daughter. I love them to be so I need to hang out with them. We need to chill. I need to take them places. I remember the first WRC, me and my rally fan. Luckily, we were, we were live. 
were live on TV and then I saw the route they are passing through Limuru and they'll pass by my I live like um, two blocks to the main road. Guys, we're going to see the rally. My son was so, was so excited. The cars we're seeing on TV. Yeah, 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 we're going. We went. The cars came. The kids are excited. But for me, I had to get a, a seat. There's a, a joint there. I had to ask them for a seat so that they can sit. Because I was so weak. My body was so weak. And I'm, I have shortness of breath. I'm gasping for air. There's the pain in the heart, but I have also to be excited for my son, for him to enjoy and explain, you know. So I had to sit down. And because it it was like, a, for, for a long time, guys are not seen the WRC. And maybe where I stay, not so many people had an opportunity to see them. And of course, the, the turbos in the cars, it's so loud. Eh? So guys came out. So many guys came out. Some of the neighbors, some guys, you see them in the shops. So in, in my mind, as much as I know, not not people don't know what I'm going through, but there's that consciousness. A guy is looking at you like, hey, why are you seated, man? It's exciting. Why are you seated? But only the mother of my kids would know whatever is happening. We are watching, we are there looking at the cars passing. I am making plans to go to Hosi. I have to go to hospital because the way I'm feeling, to me, it is the time. That it's about that time, so I had to leave my children there, go to hospital, get checked. It was like a routine. I go oxygen. When I see oxygen, is okay, good. Okay, now go to the main doctor. What's what's the problem, Medric? I feel pain here. My I feel like a, I have a sinusitis. I feel something in the head. I don't know what it is. So like electric electric shocks, they cut across. It was a normal for me. For a while, start of 2022, I started feeling uh, not the brain zaps alone, but pain in the left side and the left jaw. You go online research, that is stroke. Now I have a buffet, not even a cocktail. It's like a platter being served eh, to deal with. And they come with intervals. So there's the zaps in the brain. And I remember there's a time we'd gone to buy coffee. Mother of my kids and the kids were at the coffee shop and I was parking the car. And they felt the most weirdest brain zap to a point for me, I, I can't explain. Okay, no one has ever gone to the afterlife and told us that last experience. But for me, that was the, seemed like that experience. Because the electric shock in the brain, and I was seated, I just went like this, and I, my head rested on the headrest of the car. And that is the only way I could be able to, to sit and sit well. Now, my shortness of breath is there. Pain in my chest, left side, jaw, and the zaps. So when they came, mother of my kids realized something wrong with daddy. So let's not rush him. We just opened the car, put the babies in the car, served them some uh, crips to divert their attention. And then she asked me, are you okay? Told her I've felt the most weirdest thing in the brain. Ah, okay, take time, took time. But I remember I have to drive them back home. And I would get guts and tell God, send out my kids. I'm just a custodian. You gave them to me. Take us home. And we just work by faith. For me, it was just by faith. And we'd go, I, we went home. So then the next day, we had to go to AAR. Went to AAR. I was checked. Nothing. So the more the doctor tells you nothing, the more at least you may get some comfort. The more you add your own positive information that you're giving your brain, the more you get better. And you get a little bit stronger. The symptoms are there, but you're now over powering them. They're not putting you down. There's a time, as one of the worst experiences I had, eh? there's a time we were with my brother at uh, Ruaka. And so my family knew Medric has anxiety disorder because now we had to tell them because there are things I wouldn't do if I come to your place. And there are stories we wouldn't, we wouldn't talk about when I come to your place. So like my mom's place, we, there are things they just realized, the things we wouldn't talk. 
And I don't know what happens with the... I don't know, it's because there's the reality of life is short. Somehow, anxiety disorder becomes a blessing whereby you realize anytime, anytime. Because now, death does not become a distant thing. It's like you're dealing with it every other day. So you just just look at you. I would look at my son, look at look at my mom, and it just overwhelmed me. Yeah. I would I, I just hug my son randomly, you know? Because in your mind, they, it's, it's a reality guy anytime. As much as you know, it's anxiety disorder. But the overriding thought, it's so real, so real. So that time at Ruaka, with my bro, we had gone, we had, I think we were from the garage, went for a car to be washed. He's my younger brother. So I also have to be strong for him. I also don't want him to worry about his brother. So I, took, I used to take him because he would help me drive. I couldn't drive. Like, during the day, I couldn't drive. My eyes would swell, uh, get watery because of the light, and just tear up. Where we were seated, I had to excuse myself so that he didn't see me struggling to breathe. I went to the pump, the fuel pump, eh? just sat next to it. So I started doing my prayers. <laughs> I started doing my prayers. And I could see my bro coming. Hey, you, hey, so what are you going to take? Just bring me mango juice. He brought me juice. And for that day, it was like a whole two hours of like, it's like you're on the brink of afterlife. Mm-hmm. And that your mind is... I wish people would understand eh? uh, when when someone is telling you of whatever they are going through, even if you don't understand, just take it as they're telling you. You don't need to understand. And that was my biggest challenge because other than the mother of my kids, I could tell her, and because we used to research with her a lot, and she would go through the groups I'm going through, and then she would realize people going through this, uh, these uh, 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 symptoms. I wouldn't tell my bro, my bro. I wouldn't tell my mom. At that time, I was, for two hours, fog. I don't know how I can explain this. It's, but it's like your brain is being ex- squeezed. It's like your head is stuffy. Head is stuffy. The zaps, heart, the left side of my the head, left jaw. The right leg was paining. And now sensations here. You know, this finger. Two hours I was just thinking, so how is the afterlife? Uh, hmm. And I look at people, just normal people. And they're like, man, you don't know. You don't know, you don't know, you, you don't know, you, you don't know. And then my brother seated there, he's like, hey, dude, why is this guy just seated at the pump? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the cars are being fueled, and I'm just next there at the pump. In fact, the pump attendant was so kind to let me sit there just next. But that is the only place I would sit. No one would come and ask me of anything. That was one of the worst experiences I, experiences I ever had. And plus also dealing with neighbors, dealing with friends, and also getting out of you, your normal life, you don't... You don't want to avoid your normal life, but so you don't want to be in your normal life. One, either you, you I could see so many of my friends, someone is looking at you as if they try to find, some, they want to read your mind, but they can't read your mind. One of my friends, he's, an, he's Ugandan, he went back, he's called uh, Mbogo. Huh? Mbogo, I guess, either went through some mental part in his lifetime, because he's the only person I ever told. And a, a best of my best friend is in the UK. Him I told when he started because he's far. I just I just told him, hey guy, I was diagnosed with this and this. I just said, hey, bro, pray God is going to help you. But I told him because he's far. But any other person around, I couldn't I couldn't find the guts to tell because I would try to bring stories like uh, mental issues. And guys are like, no, ah. people joke. People people nowadays joke with life. How serious? How can you be that you want to do what and what to do what? 2022, early, a friend, we were classmates in primary school. We were friends. In fact, 
the last time we met it was like a uh, a reunion he died by suicide it was on news it was all over and now me um in the prison of my mind him he's he has been overwhelmed and he, he took his own life so i remember telling the mother of my kids let me tell you i think when my friend planned all this i think that was one of the most peaceful times for him people may think i'm saying whatever i'm saying because they don't understand when your brain is your prison i can't know the experience of what people go through when they're in prison the physical prison but when your brain is your prison sometimes you get moments of freedom in that brain because when we were told of the what transpired to him taking his own life he came home he was jovial he went to church, to church with the mom you know he had, it was like a good time for him then poop he took his own life so i told i told her i know him he was so successful and then whew, things went south so i told told her i think those few weeks or those that, that those few days I think they were the best for him because in his mind is that he had reconciled that me I'm getting out of this problem and i think for him it was his freedom this is a bit freedom and then when i get out of this life even better freedom that is how the mind doing my research and and and, and listening to my own physical mental journey physical symptoms there are moments of freedom that i would get either when i'm asleep or i'm just seated at small time I would get a, f- a moment of freedom from this prison that is my mind and I would treasure those moments treasure them so 2022 after after his day de- his death I couldn't even go into the barrier and now we, we're in the same whatsapp group with other guys all over guys all over the world they are talking guys are shocked only one guy the guy in the UK knows Medric is going through this but of course I didn't mention we didn't talk about it so when guys went to went for burial me I didn't but the pictures were all over the stories were all over it affected me because there's someone who commented because we have the same physique same height don't dress the same but almost mm-hmm. then the school we went this that culture it forms you eh so someone mistook him for me and they told me to my face do you know when i had that i thought it was you relapse like three months relapse because now i had beside the physical symptoms i had but mentally i was stronger mm-hmm. i was stronger i was convinced myself ah uh, the heart mm-hmm. why are you tearing me how many times have you been to the hospital do your worst I would just talk to myself uh, the brain are uh, you do whatever you want to do me I know it's just it is not and it's not stroke it is not heart attack I got to a point now I would feel the pain but I would tell myself do your worst that is how I over I, I was ever able, able to override the physical symptoms but now mental still I have the challenge up to uh let's say July is when I realized guy like you're making it man you're making it i went to doctor uh, one day and we talked we talked we talked i would watch now regular things i would watch a series guy guy was short <laughs> no problem this an ambulance <laughs> how many people have seen the ambulance so many of them <laughs> so me i'm fine to a point before october my doctor told me you you're okay and now i have no symptom I can take my spectacles fact I wear them because of the light there's no prescription this is just for the UV I have no palpitations I have no stomach pain I have no chest pain my brain is okay I am fine I drive I play around I do whatever I used to do normally and so when I realized I could do that I wanted and that is what exactly I want I want to tell people you will get better you can get better and I want to be a friend the friend that i looked for in those those times and i would just want someone that i can tell hey guy 
is what I'm going through. <laughs> this is what I'm going through. Can you just listen? Because even the doctors, and this is the challenge I realized, even the doctors, some of them, they are doctors from the professional point of view, not through experience. Mm-hmm. So they will indulge you to some point, but you could, I could see the frustration. I could see the frustration because this is by book. You're telling me this, this, this. It's by book. But now you're not inside my brain. So yeah, the book tells you this and this should do this and this. But... As you're telling me, my brain is not reacting to your speed. And I could see the frustration in the doctors. So when I got well, that is my inspiration. In fact, what I do, that's why you see me very active in your, on, your, on your wall. I realized mental illness, it's because either people don't have the mental strength or the knowledge. And two, the, the chemical imbalance. It's made worse by what we eat, what we listen to, what we see. There are people who are affected and there are loved ones who do not understand all these people are going through. So my pain and my frustrations with mental illness is what is driving me to speak to everyone and talk to anyone and just get out of, out there and tell someone. Because now later, when my story was on uh, Taifaleo and I shared it with my friends, everyone was like, dude, now we understand. You guys used to act weird. I remember my, a friend of mine told me, I could tell there's something wrong with magic but I couldn't know I tell what it is so some of them thought it was uh, either HIV some up to now don't even understand Ati, you're telling me your brain was telling you what I think there's purpose for everything and what I've come to realize is especially people who go through mental illness when you're hit or you find yourself with anxiety disorder you will make it to the other side you will make it to the other side I am living proof and one would ask how sure are you that you made it through you guy you hear me saying mother of my kids have uh it's 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 a, it's a family thing and i'm alone right now in the house and i'm okay in fact the best peaceful time i have is in the house so i see my kids my kids uh, shoes see their clothes i see where they used to play and i'm fine and i'm fine and to me that is proof enough that despite the darkness that i'm going through right now i'm able to hold myself close friends of mine know what is happening in my life eh? one of them called me and it was like hey, guy me i'm concerned like what you are alone in the house you can do something bad something bad like what <laughs> something bad like what i was just concerned what i would tell anyone who's going through a mental challenge is that there's purpose only that we don't know the purpose when we are there even right now the pain i'm going through is not mental necessarily it's a personal challenge and it's very heavy on me but i also believe there's a purpose for it so anyone going through mental illness, mental challenge, what I'll tell them is, you will make it, it is doable, you'll be all right. The times that you see as if you're not going to make it to the next day, you will make it. Even in the worst of your times, you'll make it. I am telling you as living proof, you will make it. At times I used to drive thinking this is the last drive. The car will, will just roll. I know I'm okay. The times I used to sleep thinking I will wake up in heaven or some. I'm okay. The times I couldn't talk about death or even listen. Anyone not talk about death around me. I'm okay. I am here talking with that girl. So what I went through had purpose. And whoever will listen to my voice, it was not in vain. So hang in there. It is going to be well. Whatever challenge there is, financial or otherwise. 
as long as you have breath in you and this breath is natural that is what my doctor and told me it is natural you don't you don't practice to breathe it is natural as long as you have it it's automatic as long as you have it you'll make it through to the other side catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless wasn't that just so powerful i just first i do have to commend medrick for reaching out and wanting to share his story i have noticed that there are quite a few men reaching out to share their their stories of lived experiences and how they're trying to prioritize their wellness and i just just think that's so commendable i i I think that's so commendable especially in our society where that's not part of the expectations that we have for men so breaking out of that and choosing wellness in my books that is powerful. So I really connected with the story because I have anxiety. I was diagnosed with it and the brain fog. In fact, I was telling Medric how sometimes I feel like just shaking my head <laughs> to literally like shake the fog away. The feelings of doom. Where? Constantly just feeling in such a real manner that if I do that, I'm going to die. And the pulsating, is that the word? I don't know. But I remember once in, when we went to Zimbabwe, like my my heart was beating so fast. It felt like I could hear my heart pounding in my head. Hey! And the weird thing is that on the outside, you look okay. So nobody can even see that anything is wrong. But in your head, it feels like you are about to collapse. So I really appreciate Medrick sharing his story and him wanting to use his experience to make others feel less alone. I just, I appreciate that. That's powerful. And then the clarity, you've given such clarity to what having anxiety looks like. I feel like not many people understand anxiety. And I've seen this maybe also with depression where people, the the reaction is almost like you're choosing to be anxious. And they put this disorder in the same box as anxious, which is a feeling. But this is a disorder, you know? And I just feel like there's a lot of ignorance around around it. So stories like this really help. And so thank you. Thank you so much, Medrick. And if you want to share your story as well, we have a new storyteller form to fill out. The link is in the show notes. Just fill it out. It doesn't matter where in the world you're at. It could be somewhere we are coming to very soon. Who knows? But also we have the option of recording your story virtually. So just sign up and I will get back to you. Also make sure you buy your tickets to our first group therapy session very excited about it. If you want to learn more about the theme, which is losses without funerals, I suggest you listen to the loss episode that will shed a lot more light on that. Yeah, if you want to take the first step in this healing journey, I think this will be really great. And I'm happy to be able to be doing this with my therapist and to be doing this with you. So grab your tickets, a link to Where you can do that is in the show notes and the group therapy session is on the 25th of February at 9.30am at Kanga Studio. There'll be no tickets sold at the gates, so all tickets have to be gotten in advance. We have a small number of tickets available, so the earlier you get your tickets, 
the better. Do remember that this podcast plays on Terrace Radio here in Kenya. So you can catch us there every Wednesday and Monday at 1pm and 11pm and every Friday at 1pm. Just go to traceradio.co.ke to stream. Last but not least, as I gear up for my birthday. <laughs> Is it obvious that I love my birthday? Is it? No, not not yet. Okay. Last but not least, as usual, I am sending you grace. And this is not even just a cliche ending to this podcast. Mm-mm. I truly mean it. I think a lot of us are going through and navigating tons of shit. <laughs> and yeah, let's just extend grace to ourselves and to others. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.